So we're going to talk a little bit more about generosity this week and uh, as we get into this, and we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, generosity makes us more like Christ. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to start with. I'm going to come back to it, but I want to read it to start with here. Uh, this uh, piece out of Philippians 2, this is Paul. Now, this is actually a, an early hymn of the church. It's probably the oldest piece of hymn music uh, or hymn words, not music, uh, that we have out of the early church where Paul is writing and, and he recounts this to the church in Philippi. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, as that passage goes through, it's talking about the humility of Christ. And as we get into this, I want to remind you that uh, humility is not the same thing as humiliation, right? Y'all understand the difference, right? So, so, so when we lived in Seguin, they opened the King Ranger Theaters. It was a brand new theater complex they opened. It had six screens. That's a lot for Seguin. Uh, and so they had six screens and they had this big grand opening event. And we went to that. Uh, and I, I believe they were showing one of the remakes of one of the Star Wars movies when they did those digital remakes. And we went to see that. And the place is packed. You know, there's all these people in there and all. And we go in. Forrest, I think, was about six years old. He's about this tall at that time. And, and we go into the theater. We get through the movie. He's just entranced, you know, with this movie. Watches all the way through it. We get to the end of it. And he really has to go to the bathroom. And so he jumps up and he starts running out and, I, and I'm, you know, behind him because there's all these people in this crowd and everything and, and Cindy's going, don't, don't lose sight of him. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going and there's a crowd out there in the lobby and he's running all through them and everything and I lose him for a, a, a few seconds there and then I notice the door closing and I think, okay, he's found the bathroom and I go and I, and I open the door and I step into the women's room. <laughs> And they're all giving me the look of death. It's full. They're all giving me the look of death. And I start to explain, right? You know, well, I'm sorry. I thought my son just came in here. To which, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the you creep look, right? And it's like, you know, there's a time you just need to shut up and get out, right? It's time to go. So, uh, so, so I excuse myself. That, that's humiliation, yeah. right? You know, it's when you, when you see that car of your friend driving on the road, and so you pull up, you race, and you pull up beside him, and you're honking your horn and everything, and a total stranger turns and looks at you. That's humiliation. Humiliation is something that happens to us. Humility is something we do. Let's pray. Almighty God, we ask you to come and be in the midst of us and open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to what you have to say to us. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, so going back to that Philippians, if you go back and you, you look at this, this is, this is about the humility of Christ. He did not regard equality or, or being on an equal level with God as something to be grasped or held on to, but he poured himself out and taking the form of a servant and being born in human likeness, but, but even being born in human form, he humbled himself further and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is humility and servanthood to the point of pouring out your very life for someone else. Uh, when J.D. Walt was here uh, summer before last, and uh, he was talking to us, he talked about uh, a, a curve in, in the Scriptures. He said there's kind of a thing that runs through the Scripture that when we lift ourselves up, when we build ourselves up, inevitably either God or life brings us back down. You know, whenever we begin to think we're all that, 
something will happen to remind us that we really aren't. And, and the first time we, we went back to Corpus Christi after we moved out uh, with the kids uh, out to the hill country in Lano, and we were going back home for, I don't know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and, and we drive back home and pull up on the driveway, and the, the back door of the house swings open, and my folks come out and, and promptly grab the grandkids. Oh, we're so glad to see y'all. And they pick the grandkids up and dance back in the house, leaving Cindy and I on the driveway with the luggage and locking the door on us. So, you know, we're thinking we're up here, you know, right? We've, we've brought your grandkids home to visit you. No, 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 we're down here because we're just chopped liver. It's the grandkids that are something important, right? I mean, that's kind of the way life does. And so J.D. says that the pattern in Scripture says, you know, when you, when you raise yourself up, that's when you get humbled. But when you humble yourself, when you lower yourself, then God will raise you up. So that passage of Philippians, after Christ humbles himself, becomes obedient to the point of death. You know, it continues on after that and then says, and so God has, has raised him up, right? God exalted him, seated him at God's right hand in the, in the heavens, and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. God lifts him up. But God first shows us this part of God's heart by showing us the very image of God in Christ where he pours himself out, he gives us his life. His very life is poured out to us. This is the image of God in Christ that shows us the humility. And, and we see that in other places where uh, at the Last Supper, when the, the disciples gather and Jesus washes their feet uh, at, at the Last Supper, they come into the upper room for this event. And as always, there was a, a towel and basin there for them to wash their feet. And, and that was a task that was usually left to whoever had the lowest social standing in the household, whether it was a, a servant or a member of the household. Whoever was low man on the totem pole, as we say, was the person that got the task of washing other people's feet, both because it was you know, kind of distasteful, but also because it was kind of a lower kind of thing. You know, it was a sign of servanthood to someone else. So the disciples all gather. They all come in. They gather around the table. They begin to eat. None of them are willing to lower themselves to wash anyone's feet. And in the midst of the meal... Jesus himself gets up and begins to do that. And there's this awkwardness to that, that the master is now doing this that's shocking to the disciples. And he says, you know, you call me your master, and, and you, you're right, I am. And yet I have given you an example of how you are to treat one another, to wash the other's feet. And this, this sense of humility, of servanthood, of pouring yourself out for someone else. And he talks about it in Matthew's gospel. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This servanthood, even to the point of, of pouring out his life for us, this kind of generosity and humility in who he is. And on the last night, he uh, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with Peter and the sons of Zebedee and begins to be grieved and agitated. And he says to them, I'm deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Not what I'm about, God, but what you want. I mean, all through Scripture, you see this image of, of the self-giving of God, the humility, the generosity, the servanthood. 
of giving himself away. Giving himself away. That this is shown, this is, this is what we see in the image of Christ, that this is, this is who God is. Not because um, we're so wonderful, or not because we've earned it, or not because we've done everything to, to you know, curry favor with God, but because this is who God is. In love, God is always lowering himself to us and giving himself away to us. And the interesting thing is uh, that we don't often connect it that because this is who God is and this is who the image of Christ is, that, that somehow or another this is part of us too. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Lisa Blackwood uh, wrote some um, counselor's corners uh, that went in the epistle. And she was talking about the, the four pillars of spiritual growth that we've been talking about. And uh, you all remember what the four pillars are? Do you? The first one is? Worship. Yeah, no, wait, wait, wait. Don't cheat. I want to see what they know. The first, you remember what we're doing right now, which is, oh, oh y'all can do better than that. What are we doing now? We're, thank you. And then, and then the second one is the lifelong journey of learning and growing in Christ, which is known as, oh, yeah, I'm helping you out. Uh, the third one is actually taking your faith and putting it into concrete action, which is, and the fourth one is what we're talking about this morning, which is, yeah, okay. So those are the four spirits. Pillars, And she's talking in her article about how those four pillars uh, impact us uh, and, and change who we are in, in really kind of fundamental ways, uh, the psychology and the biology behind that. So when she talks about generosity, as she wrote in that column, she said, research suggests that humans are born with the biological hardware for generosity. In particular, the brain circuits and hormone systems, dopamine and oxytocin, are in place to help others. These circuits are fundamental and activate the reward process areas of the brain. Brain imaging technology has found stimuli in the same particular regions when making charitable donations. In other words, our, our, our brains are wired so that when we give ourselves away to other people, when we do things for other people, uh, it, it activates this reward process. It, it creates the same kind of good feeling in you, like when you've had a great meal with friends. Uh, I mean, it gets this, this kind of good sense of fulfillment and, and well-being that comes over you. And the same thing is true, she says, when, when people are doing charitable donations, they get that same sense of wellness and, and fullness about who they are. It's hardwired into who we are, not, not simply psychologically uh, in terms of thought processes, but it's actually biologically part of who we are, which really shouldn't, shouldn't surprise you, right? Because if Christ is the image of God and Christ models for us this generosity and giving himself to others, Aren't we also created in the image of God? I mean, isn't that what we're told in Scripture? Uh, God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created us. He created us in His image. Male and female, He created us. We, we reflect that image of God that we see most clearly in Christ, who shows us what humility and servanthood and generosity really looks like. And the same way that that love of God is, is shown to us in Christ, that, that image of Christ that image of Christ is in, in dwelling in us, and we carry it as well. And when we live into that, we're living into all that God created us to be, who God created us to be. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he reminded them, uh, you know, and he's encouraging them in the offering for the saints in Jerusalem. And he says, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, in our love for you, we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. 
I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. I don't say this to you as a command because he's, he's wanting ob- not obedience, he's wanting generosity. If it's a command, it's just obedience. But to test the genuineness of your love, to reflect this act of Christ who, who even though he was rich, who, oh, he was mighty, became poor so that we might be enriched by his offering of himself. Hmm. He calls us to do that and to live into that image of Christ. It's interesting, St. Francis a long time ago um, said, poverty is not measured so much by what we have, but by what we think we lack. And, and over the years, I found that to really, I mean, fr- frankly, it's very true in my life. I, whenever I start to feel like I'm impoverished or I'm not getting what I want, usually what I find out is it's really I'm not getting what I want. That, that, that's the problem. Not, not that I'm impoverished, but that I'm not getting what I want. When I listen to people talk, that's what I hear. I can't afford what I want. And that's what makes us feel like we don't have enough. When really, when really, we have everything we need. The flip side of that is uh, this interesting uh, statement by Sir Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we share. We make a life by what we share. My sister and I discovered a number of years ago that in our lives when we were talking with one another that we found that the sense of generosity or, or scarcity uh, really kind of ran through all of our lives. That in those times when we felt uh, like we didn't have enough, when we felt like we didn't have enough financially or we didn't have enough whatever, that it, that it really affected all of our life. That if we were going to be feeling impoverished financially, we were going to be feeling like we didn't have enough time for other people. We didn't have enough affection to support those people around us. We didn't have love to share with our family. That it really kind of ran across the board. If we were in that sense of scarcity in our lives, it affected everything we did. And the flip side of that was in those periods of time when we felt generous, we felt generous in everything we did. We had love for our families. We had time to give to various things. We had the ability to spend and and give affection to people around us and commitment to give to people around us as well as financial resources. That it tended to go across our lives. And it defined who we were. We make a life by what we share. We make the life by what we share. This sense of, of generosity within us is something that is in us because it's placed there from the very beginning of creation. And when we live into it, we're living into who God created us to be. So I, I've talked to you before about being in, in, in Africa and the meals uh, they shared us. And a couple of years ago, Ashlyn went with me and we went to this home of her uh, sponsored child and they uh, fixed a meal for us. And this is kind of what it looks like. Here, I'm sitting here. Uh, this is Moses. He's my sponsored child. Here's Ashlyn. Uh, here's Nalima, her sponsored child. Uh, on the side of the table we're on, this picture's taken from, are Nalima's mother and her aunt. And I want you to notice the, the food that is set out here in front of us. I mean, there's like, you know, more there than we can possibly eat. And, and I was impressed. But if you look at Moses' face, you can see he's pretty impressed too. Uh, with how much food there is, he's kind of stunned with that. It was, it was, you know, I mean, it was a bountiful feast that they set out before us as an act of generosity to us as their guest. And what I want you to see, uh, look at it, just think about, you know, this is, this is several days worth of food for this family. But what I really want you to see is if you look in this next picture, as we stepped outside, 
this is Nilima's mother, and she's placing this uh, wrap around Ashlyn. And I want you to look at the, the smile on her face. She's not doing that generosity begrudgingly, uh, and she's not doing it with, oh, i got to do this. Or, you know, God, and, uh, do you see the joy on her face? That smile on her face? Because in that moment, she's getting to live into all the image of Christ in her life. And the love of God's resting on her and the joy of God's filling her. And you see it reflected in her face. Now, now that's, that's part of our story and our picture from, from our lives. But I've, I've seen that kind of joy in, in lots of different places uh, and on lots of different people's faces. Uh, if you go with our crew to Mountaintop. And watch the kids when they're building a way for someone to get into their home that, that hasn't been able to do so before. Maybe a wheelchair ramp or a new set of front porch or whatever. Look at those kids' faces as they share that with the person that lives in that home. You'll see that, that smile. And if you go with Palacios with the middle schoolers and, and you see when they've been painting someone's home and they're, they're getting to meet the people that live there and share with them, you know, we've come to do this. You'll, you'll see that smile on their faces. Yeah. If you go, uh, go to Emmaus Walk and, and you go out and you, you look at the team, the people who've come, either the inside team or the servant team, the outside team, who've been running like crazy all weekend long, and you look at their faces at worship, and you're going to see that kind of smile on their face. If you come to VBS worship, well, by VBS worship, by the end of the week, they may look kind of tired when they're showing up, right? But, but once we get in, we start singing you'll see that smile on all the volunteers' faces who've been giving themselves all week long. Go to church under the bridge and look at the people who are leading worship. Or go to community first and look at the volunteers. You'll see that smile. Because there's a deep, powerful joy that comes into our hearts and our lives when we live into who God created us to be. Years ago, when uh, John Wesley was talking about what does it mean to be made perfect in God, he talked about it this way. What's perfection? Here it means perfect love. It's love excluding sin, love filling the heart, taking up the whole capacity of the soul. Filling the heart, taking up the the whole capacity of the soul. When we're willing to, to humble ourselves and pour ourselves out the same way that Christ does, And God's love is poured into our hearts and fills the whole capacity of our soul. And there is great joy in that. So in this coming week, we're going to be uh, talking to you about financial generosity in particular. And if you haven't gotten uh, something in the mail, you will be. Uh, And then next week, we'll gather and we'll have our our day to offer up our estimates of giving. We'll have uh, the barbecue uh, uh, buffet will be here all morning and on Saturday evening. And so uh, come and, and uh, you know, partake and enjoy. And there's plenty there, so don't worry about it. We won't run out. Uh, but come and be part of that. But in the meantime, I'm going to invite you to think this week about your generosity. Uh, we're going to be talking more about other kind of mission offerings uh, in a couple of weeks. But, but what we're focusing on right now is, is the financial aspect of that. And I'm going to ask you just to kind of lean into that and, and think about the way you are thinking about that, feeling about that, wondering about that, and and are you really willing to give yourself away in that kind of generosity? Um, I always like to be really clear with you that uh, I don't ask you to do anything we don't do, and uh, Cindy and I have already turned our pledges in together with a a number of folks from the administrative board and the staff. Uh, So far from the administrative board, 64% 
have turned in their uh, estimates of giving for next year. 80% of the staff has turned their estimates of giving in for the next year. And I'll tell you that, um, you know, Cindy and I, uh, our commitment to this congregation for the next, this next year is 15% of our gross income. Um, now, I'm going to be really clear with you. It was not always like that. Uh, you know, it started off, I think it was probably like 1% when we started or something like that, you know, because, you know, you, you got to start somewhere. Uh, but over the years, we've built that up as we've worked on it. And I, I, I don't think either one of us would say that we ever regret any of that. Um, and we certainly have not been starving. Uh, but, but I want you to understand, start where you're at, wherever that is, start where you're at. And, and ask God how it is that, that you can respond to that image of Christ in your heart and what you're able to do. Start where you're at. And understand that this is, this is the moment when we find ourselves oftentimes most thrilled uh, to be living into that image of Christ that's placed within us. So I want to invite you to consider that, pray about that seriously uh, this week. And be ready next week to make your commitment to Christ's ministry at this congregation in 2020. Let's have a moment of prayer. Almighty God, we, uh, we live in a culture which uh, oftentimes uh, focuses on uh, taking care of number one, of, uh, of me first, of um, being sure that we have everything that we want. And, uh, and, and we confess to you that so often we become so focused on what we want that in spite of all we have, we begin to think that we are lacking and we are in need. So we ask you to open, uh, open our hearts to be filled with your love. Uh, fill the whole capacity of our soul with your presence and, and give us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus who was willing to pour himself out for others um, even to the point of offering his very life. Open us up that we might live into all of your image that you have placed within us. That we might find in that humble offering of ourselves, that humble generosity, uh, the joy, uh, the fulfillment that you intend for us to know. Uh, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.